Mark chapter 9, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9. Our text will be found in verses 14 through verse 29. We continue on in our study, what I call Mark for a Mission. Week number officially, I think it's 32. Um, we, are, we are moving along. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day today. We are blessed. God's grace is amazing. <clears throat> um, we have, I'm sure, some men and women who are veterans who served our country. And I want to thank you for that service um, as we have paused this weekend to remember that. And I was thinking about anyone who, in a sense, signs on that dotted line. They have no idea, like you, you have no idea where they're going to send you, what they're going to do with you, right? I mean, that's kind of the idea. That's why you do it. It's a surprise. Like, I wonder what's next. I was thinking as we kind of launch into this subject today with Jesus, all things are possible. When we sign on a dotted line, so to speak, we offer our heart to the Lord. Lord, we're yours. But we really have no idea. We have no idea, like, what's next. And I, I really believe that we've come to a place that we live very safe lives. Like this whole idea of, of faith, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. It almost seems like, I don't really know if like I like that part of being a Christian or not. And, and I'm not saying like, Let's be just wild and weird and crazy. Like, still wear your seatbelts, okay? And your, and, your, and your little helmets and take your vitamins and, and, and go for your regular checkups all the time. But in a sense, what has happened is we've kind of let this, like, like, make sure we're safe all the time. We've kind of let that touch and impact our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. When was the last time that you really took a major risk. Like when, when, how long? When you were eight? On the playground? Like how long? We, we are so concerned about being safe and secure all the time. I, I really think that we're getting boxed in and, and we're buying the lies that are in this world. As we, as we examine the subject of faith this morning, I, I, I want you to pray. Now, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what, what it is that, that, you, that you're going to attempt in God's strength, crying out and pleading for his help to help you move that mountain that needs to be moved. That, that's, that's really what we have. To, we have to have that sense of understanding as we launch into this amazing, amazing, thrilling text this morning. We'll read it in a moment. Let's bow our heads first and just pray. And ask that God give us a renewed ability to take risk for his glory. Father, we come before you and we acknowledge as our heads are bowed, your sovereign reign over us. We are in submission to your authority. You are Lord of all lords, king over all kings. And we thank you, Lord, that we can cry out, Abba, Father, that as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we have offered our life to you, that we are your own sons and daughters. Father, as we now listen to your spirit through your word, 
I would ask, Lord, that you would convict us of how we have become so comfortable in almost everything that we do. God, help us to learn to, to bite off pieces that, that are too big for us, but certainly not too big for you. Help us, Lord, to be a church in this community that, that is ignited by your Spirit to move forward for your glory in unprecedented ways. But we cannot do it in our own strength. We need yours. We ask, Lord, that we would be led by your spirits, not our flesh. Please, Lord, guard my mind and my mouth at this moment as I speak to these precious people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, a little bit, just a very brief review. Last week, we got a glimpse, if you remember, got a little tiny glimpse of God's glory, the transfiguration. It was atop a mountain. If you recall, Jesus was shining. He's bright and, and brilliant, spectacular before New Testament witnesses. Peter, James, and John were there, as well as Old Testament prophets, Elijah and Moses, it was a stunning moment as Jesus proclaims that he is the very fulfillment of every single promise, that he's there. There was a booming voice from heaven, God the Father, affirming the ministry and the mission of his own son, Jesus the Christ. This is my beloved son. I love these next words. Listen to him. Listen to him. Don't listen to yourself. Don't listen to this world. You listen to him. God in all of his authority speaks and says that. Jesus is teaching and he said that he will suffer and he will die, but he will not stay dead. He will arise from the dead and he will be revealed in all of his glory forever and ever and ever. Peter speaks. He's there. He speaks just like you and I would. Let's, let's, let's just hang here for a while, huh? Let's, let's live like this. But, but no. This week, we will see, as with all of life, there are always what? The mountains and, and the valleys. This week, we will see there's always highs and lows. There's ups and downs. There's victories and defeats. There's successes and failures. Today in this text, Jesus will tell us and he will teach us in those moments, in those low moments, in those hard times, in those impossible tasks, moments of sickness or loss or worry or fear or uncertainty, that you can trust him. You can have faith in him because, because with Jesus all things are possible. Amen to that. When G Jesus and Peter, James, and John descend from the mountain, they, in a sense, descend into a valley that is filled at this moment with chaos and confusion. There's an argument that's going on. There's questions being thrown back and forth. Distress. There's even a demon. There is human need. The Gospel of Mark, we have seen, never seems shy to, 
to, to, to show us that mankind, you and I, there's always desperate need. And yet Jesus is always the answer to that need. Always. Don't you remember this? That Mark is telling a story with a purpose. Now, now before I read the text, I, I want to tell you this. I want to encourage you that as, as, as you're listening, I want you to look for one phrase. Okay? That we will use to launch from and Lord willing learn this morning. Okay? Mark chapter 9 verses 14 through verse 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all of the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And, and he asked them, well, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him. He said, teacher, I... I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked this father, how, how long has, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it, is, it has often cast him into a fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together and he, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything. But prayer. Did, did, you, did you find the phrase? Did you hear it? D did you see it? There's, there's eight words to be precise. From verse 23. Here it is. All things are possible for one who believes. All things are possible. For one who believes. Okay, here we go. Number one, the disciples were defeated. We see this in verses 14 through verse 19. Number one, the disciples were defeated. Jesus returns from this mountaintop experience to, it's in, in, in a sense, it's a mob scene of sorts. It says that there's a great crowd. Scribes are arguing. And when, when the crowd saw him, they were greatly amazed. It's the word awestruck as is always the response to, 
when one is connected, when one sees, introduced to Jesus. They're all struck by him. It says they ran up and greeted him. And Jesus begins by asking this question, what are you arguing about? Now, please know, first and foremost, this is not because Jesus doesn't know what's going on. He's God. He knows everything. He is God fully. I believe, from what I can see in this, that Jesus wanted to hear hear from them directly just like Jesus I believe wants us to express where we are at and what we are struggling with by bringing it out into the open everyone can hear and he can teach a lesson at this moment a very important lesson remember this Mark is telling a story with a purpose now, please understand, this is, not, this is not another ho-hum, another day in the life of Jesus. No, 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 no. There's something, there's something wrong here. It is significant. There's something wrong, and it's serious. You, you see, there is one that is in this crowd. He's a dad. A father, like many of you men that are here. And he steps forward and he says this. My, my son has a spirit that, that makes him mute. And there's a description. It seizes him. It throws him down. He grinds his teeth. He foams at the mouth. He, he becomes rigid. At first, well, it's a boy with epilepsy, correct? No, no actually, it's something more than a young boy who's struggling with having seizures, it's far worse than that. It's far more serious than that. This boy is not only in physical torments, he is, he's actually in spiritual torment as well. Specifically, it says what? He has a spirit, which means he is possessed by a spirit. He is possessed by a demon, a bad situation, horrible scenario. And yet we have to be reminded of is that there is elements of spiritual warfare that exist in Jesus' day and in our day. Remember this, Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 12 and 13, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness. Listen to this, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Of how Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So there's a very real element of spiritual warfare that exists. And this boy, this family is losing this battle. And what happens next reveals the purpose to this story. Please understand in this text, we will learn this is not just a story about an exorcism here. There's a theme that lies. It is a story of genuine faith and trust. The father of the boy tells Jesus, he says, I asked your disciples to cast it out, and, and they were not able to, it says in verse, verse 18. I love, I love, I love Jesus' response. A classic teaching moment. Classic teacher-student moment relationship that is shown here 
Jesus' response is this. Oh, faithless. The word is epistos. It means those that are not true, those that are disloyal, those that are unbelieving, those who are lacking in trust. Jesus says, oh, faithless generation. To everyone, how, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Now, wait a minute. Faithless generation. Who is Jesus speaking to at this moment? Like, who's here in this crowd, okay? We have, we, we have the dad. We know that for sure. He's telling the story as far as what's, what's happening. We have the disciples. These are what? The nine, initially, that did not go up on top of the mountain. And, and they're the ones who tried to exercise the demon. At this point, they're just like staring at the ground, kicking the dirt, like, well, like we did all that we, we, we could. We know the disciples are there. We also know with Jesus are Peter, James, and John, the three who came down. This is the only time it seems to, the, to, to be recorded that Peter has nothing to say here. Peter's like silent. Why? He's still mesmerized with the transfiguration. We just saw Moses and Elijah up there. We just heard the very voice booming voice of God. Peter, James, and John, they're just clueless. They're gone. Well, who else is here? The scribes are here. They're arguing. Well, that's a shocker. All they ever do is argue. All they ever do is argue who's over more spiritual and not, and what are you wearing, and why are you wearing that? It's not what spiritual people wear. They're just arguing because they always are arguing. Then you have the crowds. The crowd is here. Just watching. Jesus, in a sense, addressing everyone, oh, faithless generation. And he says this, how, how long am I to be with you? How, how long am I to bear with you? Do, do you know what that phrase means? I love this phrase. You know what that phrase means? The New International Version and the New American Standard Version both translate, I, I actually love this, how, how long should I put up with you? Very literal translation. How long is it going to take? People, what Jesus is emphasizing here is what? We have a limited time to learn. That's what Jesus is saying. Oh, like any eager student, we get it wrong at times, don't we? I remember on more than one occasion when I was doing graduate work and I would answer a question and I really, really thought it was like the right answer. I remember Dr. Pelton, he'd lean forward over his podium. He'd say, Timothy, Timothy, my son, my son. And he would say this exact thing. How long am I to be with you? I just remember that. Remember that when I read that, I thought, that's it. How long is it going to take for us? How long is it going to be until you get it? I am only here a little while, Jesus is saying, what? You have got to get this. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Do, do, do you recognize the clock that never stops ticking? I talk about all the time. That's the urgency of it. But what, what it, is, it is what Jesus says, it's what he does next that gives hope. It gives help 
and it brings healing. I love these words in verse 19, bring him to me. Some translations say, bring the boy to me. Let's, let's, let's just pause, hit pause for a moment. Let's step away from the narrative. And we have what's called a little light bulb here. It's, it's implied in the text in Scripture. Do you realize what Jesus is saying and speaking to this father and to the disciples and to the scribes and to the crowds is exactly what he tells you and I to do today? Do, do you realize that what he says, bring him to me, is exactly the same thing that Jesus tells us what we are supposed to do with other people? Do you realize it's not our job to rescue people? We, we can't do that. It's not our job. We can't, we can't say, I can't save anyone. I can't redeem someone. You and I cannot change a person's heart. What is our job? Our job is what? It is very simple. Just bring people to him. Just bring people to him. Our mandate reads what? Go, make disciples, teach them to obey all things that I have commanded. That's what we are to do every day. Every day. Not like when we feel... We are to bring people to Jesus, bring people to the word of Jesus, bring people to the word of God, the words of God. That is, that is alive. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Use this word that the Spirit uses in amazing ways. Well, well, well. Yeah, but that's a really hard thing to do. Like if I if I introduce Jesus. To someone, they could make fun of me and call me one of those people. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that whole idea of what it means to be what in the world but not of the world. But then we're like, yeah, well, how, how are you doing in this? Personally, how, how, how long has it been since you've brought someone to Jesus, introduced someone to Jesus? The response generally is, yeah, but you don't know of my neighbor. Like, he is, he is, he's a really nasty guy. You, 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 don't, you don't know the situation. You don't know my family. My family is really, really messed up. No, bring them to Jesus. Yeah, but you don't understand how, how bad the addiction is or the abuse that they suffered or the neglect or the hurt or the, the anger. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Just this week, just this week, I heard the story of a, of a, of a man, 80, 80 year old man, weeping. He's in meeting with one of our pastors here this week, an 80 year old man weeping. He had brought someone, a younger man that he had met in our community, to Jesus. And he said, I just want to do more of that. I just, I just want to do. He needs help. How, how amazing and thrilling is that? And we see what? That there's a sense of security, and it's outside of our comfort zone. It gets a little risky out there. Secondly, we move on. First, the disciples were defeated. Secondly, the Savior is successful. 
review, and they brought the boy to him when the spirit saw him immediately. Immediately, we know the spirit recognizes the authority of God, recognizes who Jesus is. It says immediately he convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground. He rolled about. He foamed. And Jesus asked, how long has he been like this? Father says, what? Since, since childhood, since he was a little boy. And the father just, just cries out. And he pleads. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus makes this statement. If you notice in, in the ESB, there's an exclamation point. If you can, if you can, and that's when he, he speaks the theme for our whole text this morning. All things, all things are possible for him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Now you have to notice here the repeated what? The intended emphasis of a particular subject of comparisons and contrasts. It's believing versus unbelieving. It's belief versus unbelief. It's faith versus faithlessness. Remember I said earlier a couple times, Mark is telling a story with a purpose. Very interesting to note here that, that Mark's account is longer this story than either Matthew or Luke's, which is very rare. Remember, Mark is always light and fast. Just, just the facts. Move on. It's longer than the Matthew 17, the Luke chapter 9 account. Why is that? Well, because Mark is the one that actually includes the dialogue of the Father. And there's, there's what intended value to that, that we can learn of this man's desperate need and what his confession and his admission of unbelief and his anxious, and we could even, even say distressed cry for help, which is what? This, this dad is a great model and reminder of how we are to cry out in utter reliance, which is what? Oftentimes, bringing us to such a place, we have nothing left. What we, we are almost forced due to circumstances to trust. I believe, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. Notice this dad here doesn't seem like real concerned about anything else. Like, it doesn't seem the appropriate time from saying, do, do, do I have anything in my teeth right there? Like, do I have a little broccoli? Like, there's no other concern here. He's not concerned about his appearance. He's not concerned about his interests. He's not concerned about what's on television later this afternoon. He's not concerned about his hobbies. He's not concerned about his, his necessary man time, his man cave, just need to be alone. He's not concerned about any of that. Nothing. Nothing was more important than, than what the care that was needed and the condition of his own son, who literally was what? Held captive by a force that was far greater than himself. But what? But his dad is very quickly introduced to a force that is even greater. His dad is introduced to what? To the to the very Son of God, Jesus the Christ. Even what, as an entire crowd, it says, came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him. And I love this, and never enter him again. This boy's been plagued, obviously, for years. And he goes kicking and screaming, literally. Literally. 
after, after crying out and convulsing him terribly, he came out of the boy. The boy was like a corpse, so that most said that he is dead. Oh, no, it, it, it all went wrong. It really didn't go according to plan. <clears throat> I think you would agree here as we read this and listen to this. This is a terrifying, this is a petrifying scene. This isn't, this isn't poltergeist here. This isn't Hollywood. Okay, this is like the real deal. Demonic force throwing a young boy on the ground, foaming at the mouth. And yet throughout all of this, there's what? There's, there's only one. In all of this setting, all of these people, there's only one who's in authority. There's one who's commanding and charging and directing the entire scene. Now, if, if you recall, many of the miracles that Jesus has performed recently have been done silently, have been done in quiet. A couple different references, what? Come away from the crowds. A couple different times, Jesus says, don't tell anyone about this. Yet it appears in this particular this is one of the few miracles that are done for the sake of everyone that's present, for the sake of the crowd, to teach that there's one who has the authority to heal. I love how the, the Gospel of Luke's account concludes with the words in chapter 9, verse 43, all were astonished at the majesty of God. Oh, how long has it been since you have been awestruck? How long has it been since you have, you, you, have been, you have been silenced in amazement over what God has done that is far outside of your capability? I would dare say it's been too long. It's been too long. I would dare say that our faith is too small, that we're living too safe, that we forgot the elements what it means to trust God that all things are possible with him. Can't help but notice in verse 27 there's, there's, what, there's, there's a resurrection feel to it. Matter of fact, that's the same word that is used. But Jesus took him <clears throat> by the hands and lifted him up and he arose. No convulsions. For years this boy has suffered. No rigidity. No foaming at the, the mouth. No writhing uncontrollably on the grounds. He is what? He is healed and he is whole. He is at peace in the presence of every single person. Which brings us to our third and final point. The truth is taught. Verses 28 and 29. Now we see lastly there's, there's a scene change. Okay. This is, this is not guys in, in little black suits, okay, that are moving the, the, the set around, okay? Put a new prop up. This is like real deal. This is real life, real time. They're, they're, in, a, they're in a house. They're privately now. They're away from the crowd. Jesus and, and his disciples and the disciples ask him the question that we, we all are wondering. Why, why could we not cast it out? It doesn't say it here, but you can almost hear the conversation. Like, Jesus, on, honestly, we, we tried. We really, really tried. Like, like, this didn't go according 
to plant. This, like, this is embarrassing in front of everyone. They know that we're following you. We did everything that we could. And Jesus says in a very polite way, no, 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 you didn't. What, what does he say? This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Some translations add the word end fasting. This kind, this demon, this force, this big of a problem cannot be driven out but by anything except prayer and fasting. When we pray, what happens? It reveals, it reveals that we demonstrate faith not in our own strength, in our own abilities, in our own skills, but in his skill, in his power. It's what I call the need for faith. Jesus concludes the last one with that forceful statement on reminding us what, 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 what do we need. We need something that is bigger than us. We need something that is beyond us. Mark is telling a story with a purpose. It is what? It is to direct the attention off of ourselves and onto him. Oh, that is, that is something that, that every single day we have to learn anew. Take the focus off of ourselves. We live in this polite, cute, safe little box. The need for faith is what? The need for prayer. The, the, the need, in a sense, to just explode in trust and faith. With Christ, with Jesus, all things are possible, which means finally there's the object of faith is what? Is Christ himself. The object of faith is Christ himself. Now think up to this moment, the disciples have lived every single 24-7. They have lived, have walked, what, with Jesus by sight. Everything that they saw was visible. It was seen. There's no, there's no dinner, there's no... There's no bread. Jesus is here, and all of a sudden, there's bread. There's no fish. There's no way to feed the crowd. Jesus is here. All of a sudden, there's fish, and there's food for everyone. There, there's a lame man. He, he can't walk. Jesus is here, and all of a sudden, the lame man can, can walk. There's a, a stormy, choppy sea, and winds are blowing, and waves. Jesus is here, and all of a sudden, it's all calm. And Jesus is saying, what? What? You've been walking by sights. I'm only going to be here for a little while. There's a change that has to happen. There's a change that's coming. You're going to have to learn to walk, not by faith, but not by sight, but by faith. And that's something that we just desperately, we, we want to see, we want to see him right here. And as long as he then, then, but wait a minute. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. Jesus is preparing his disciples just as he is preparing us this morning not to walk, what, by only the things that we can see and touch. That's not trust. We walk with our minds, our hearts fixed on him. Of that little short quote from Kevin DeYoung, he's the pastor of University Reformed Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He says, faith is always focused, sometimes small, and never self-reliant. Even in this particular text, we see faith is present, a life is changed entirely, a lesson is learned, and we conclude from this and must ask about our own faith. 
What is your faith this morning? Your faith this morning focused on? Who is it focused on? What does your faith look like? How does, how does it behave? All things are possible for him who believes. I, I, would, in, I would encourage you, even at this very moment, to, to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the areas that you have, but I have, I have been frozen in. I'm afraid of. It's too much for me. Or perhaps you're in the middle of something. It's just like, I, I can't. Like, I've tried. It's just, it's not working. Perhaps there are seasons of prayer, specifically. Alone, in your prayer closet, on your knees. Times of fasting. Deprive yourself of something that reminds you what. Every, every moment there's that little hunger pang to pray and you fix your attention and, and it frees us from all of the noise and the distractions around us. What, what a great reminder here. There is, a, there is a lesson to be learned. That faith is going to challenge us and push us outside of that little tiny safe zone that we find ourselves in to realize with him all things are possible. May we be a church. May you, may you lead your families, dads and moms. May we be elders and pastors. May, may we be a church in this community that exists and is known. I can't believe. But our, our faith is on him. Our eyes are on him. To see what he's going to do. He demonstrates all trust, ultimate trust in him. Father, we love you and we thank you for your patience and grace in loving us. Father, we ask at this moment that you would reveal to us the areas that we are, we're stuck in, the areas that we're too safe in. And help us, Lord, to learn. Help us learn through prayer and fasting to trust you that you've rescued us. Help us, Lord, to be bold in the sharing of our faith, the witnessing the good news of Jesus to others. Help us to be a church that is known for taking risk for your glory, not our own. So the name of Jesus is exalted. We ask this in his name.